The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Okay, I'm, uh, for those of you that are sympathetic criers, uh, get ready because it seems like I cry every sermon. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's some emotional tweak. My family says I need to be on meds. Uh, so great pastor, you know, ADHD and pray for me for I am weak and needy, but his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that's really the message of the gospel. Lost and fallen, I'm broken and can't stand up and Christ comes alongside and, and picks us up and places on a, us on our feet. Uh, what I'd like to do this morning, there's so many things, but uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the letter to the Philippians, not in great depth, but in uh, simplicity and just, it's a, it's a beautiful, really uh, a love story between the Apostle Paul and that particular church. I'll just preface it this way. You'll remember perhaps in the book of Acts, he goes into this town and, he, and, and let me also preface it this way. They're traveling throughout their lands and the Holy Spirit says, don't go this way. Oh, no, 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 don't enter that province. And he guides them to this particular city and they go down by the river as I remember it. I'm coming off the top of my head here. And, and a, a lady named Lydia there, she is a seller of fine and beautiful scarlet uh, clothing and uh, probably fairly well off. And they meet her and they're, they're there at a gathering of kind of Jewish believers and they share the gospel. And there's a receptivity in the people that are there. Later, they see a girl following after them and, and from a, a spiritual perspective, she is... Uh, a, a, sorted out by some kind of demonic force that controls her. So they're in ministry. You can call it mental illness. For us, it's a darker thing. And, and, uh, but uh, Christ has power over all the wiles of the enemy and all of the difficulties. But there's a second chapter in that book. And, and the third one is, of course, they preach the gospel and ultimately they're arrested because wherever they go, riots break out because there are those that do not agree with our message in this hour that we live in here. And I won't go far with this, but we have people that were like me doing picketing at, at uh, abortion clinics and, and uh, they're in danger, a lot of danger these days and from the wrong people. We're living in an interesting hour and it is not dissimilar to what the early church went through, but here's the beautiful thing. Jesus loves people, and he has put me on this planet <clears throat> to tell people that Jesus loves them, and he loves you. And uh, I wanna show you something. There, there, there's so much to say this morning, and, and in another sense, so little. But Philippians, I call the sermon, um, I hold you in my heart because that's what Paul is going to say about the Philippians. And um, I hold you in my heart. As some of you, this is a, a different crowd because it's a, a weekend and people are away, but I've almost raised some of the people uh, that come to this church. I, I, I was here for about 44 years. I'm still here, but in a different role. And, and uh, I, I hold you in my heart and highest regard, and I am so privileged to be able to talk here. 
Um, there's a lot of reverb. Is that, are you guys hearing that or is that just me? Okay, well, if you can hear me fine, I can scream. That's what I do best. Let me um, l l l ask my wife. Uh, the, the thing I want to show you here is the nearness of the Lord through this. I don't know if it will mean much to you, but we're going to show you just in a moment a, a, a baptism. And I'll start it this way. A few weeks ago, I was here at church, and this is not to draw attention to myself. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. And I was here at the church, and it was such a blessing. Somebody walked into the church, and, and maybe you're here this morning, and they knew of, of us from probably 20 to 30 years ago. I would estimate about 30 years ago. And she came up to me and she said, you know, you prayed over my son uh, to be baptized or dedicated to the Lord. And while you prayed, you said something in regards to uh, the medical profession. Now, I knew nothing. He's a little boy, you know, and, and I said this. And I, I don't go, yea, and verily, saith the Lord and all this. No, 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 no. That's, that's I, I, I just pray over him. And, and his mom came to me and she said, I never told him anything about that. I never mentioned him. I, I'm sure she was trying not to chain him into some other expectation or follow her spiritual leanings or desires. And what happened was he never showed, <laughs> here's my prophetic ability, he never showed any, any interest in the medical field. Until apparently sometime around the age of 19 or maybe a little beyond that, and he started to show an interest, and it became a profound interest. And apparently, he's, a, he's a, an emergency physician here in Fairfax County now. Now, what are the odds on that? Maybe it's 100 to 1, maybe it's 200, maybe it's 500 to 1, that that, that little boy, God knew about him. And where I'm going with this is, Christianity is, of course, Christ dying for sinful men but it is also reaching a world. And we want the world to know the Lord. And once you've, there's a, an old song, once you've experienced it, you wanna sing, it's fresh like spring, you want to pass it on. When you actually meet him, when he meets you in the most intimate ways with truth and, per, and his perfections, and all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, this is not just church, this is the reality of Christ, and he's here right now, his presence is here, then that changes you forever. Let's fire up, here's, here's an example. I, I did a bit of a setup there. Uh, Brendan, could you fire, and you'll hear a guy who sounds Mickey, like Mickey Mouse, that's me. Um, you'll see, uh, but listen carefully. And these guys, God bless them for working. They put some words that we just, someone sent me this. I, it was Brendan. He'd gotten it somewhere and it's, I guess it's about 32 years old. I have no recollection of ever seeing it, although that's probably not true. I, I, I would think I must have seen it, but it's a baptismal service at a swimming pool in Falls Church, Virginia. And one of the finest ladies I've ever met, Molly Waddell, is in the picture. She, she supported and kind of was instrumental in building this church here. So if you could fire that up, Brendan, and listen very carefully, and I hope you'll be able to read the words. Um, uh, perhaps not. Let, let me say this. 
I'll preface it. This is Mark Jeske's baptism. Go ahead. Roughly, roughly what I said, that God had called him to preach. And I mentioned the words election in there, throwing in a little good Presbyterianism, the covenant theology to make myself look smart. But, but the, the, the bottom line here was that it was spoken over him in a prayer at his baptism. And, and, and we said, never forget, this is kind of what you're called to and this is kind of what you'll do. It was more forceful than that if you can hear the words. Um, he's a tiny little man. He was either five or six years old and he's the senior pastor of this church now. Now, everybody can't do that job. It is, it is something unique. You have to have certain gifts that God gives, but God knew in embryo that it was in this young man. And he knew um, that he would use him for his glory. And the lady that came to me that morning hid what I said to her in her heart and God performed the miracle of her son's life and his calling. You are that specifically guided and directed by him, know it or not. And the potential that the still small voice of the Holy Spirit can be heard and direct individuals is still alive as it's ever been. When the apostle Paul is making his decisions with his guys, just praying, do we go here or there? And he says, do not go into Asia. The idea there was that it was dangerous. There was some spiritual force or some group of people that would try to kill him. But do come to Macedonia, come someone pointed and spoke to them in a dream and they went and God uh, helped them uh, with signs and wonders following. And so I think the point, point one of what I want to say here is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ opens a door to you not only praying to him, but listening for his still small voice. And when that happens, the whole world changes. Since there are new people here uh, this morning, I was at UVA, I was surrounded by these brilliant people, and then there were some that were former prisoners, they'd been out of uh, jails, and uh, we were loving each other. I was a born-again Christian, and a young man that was there, he's brilliant, his dad was some big shot engineer at Langley, he, he began to pray over me and used prophetic words. He just started speaking and he said, uh, uh, I was a, 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 a re relatively new Christian, maybe a year old, and he said, you will speak to thousands of people. You will be essentially a mouthpiece for the Lord, blah, 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 he went on and on. We didn't know much more. I, my wife was there at this, and she heard it's just a little home group meeting. And, and you know the story. I have uh, spoken at the Kennedy Center. I've spoken at Lisner Auditorium. I've spoken at Lincoln Memorial, at the White House, blah, blah, blah. I didn't do any of that. Something beyond me took over my life because he cre had created me, and here's the point and you for a specific purpose and calling. He has made you for his glory. I don't know what your call is, but I know Mark was called to a certain thing. I know I was, I know Brendan was, I know your daughter was, I know your son was. God is working with you both the will and do of his good pleasure. The relationship with Christ is not simply a Bible study. It is the word become flesh 
and dwelling among us. It is life. It is unbelievable. And the one that does this is the same person, Jesus Christ, who told the apostle Paul to say to his people in Philippi, I hold you in my heart. You know, I always do this, you know, I coached and I did everything for a lifetime and I believe in repetition. Repetition is the mother of knowledge, he said repetitively, yes, it's true. For the batter or the pitcher or the wrestler or the musician, repetition is the mother of knowledge and if you have a gift to add on to that, it makes what you do more beautiful, more amazing, more wonderful. Well, here's something for you to repeat and helpful and I bring this because this is how I function. Triple A. When you meet somebody for the first time or the hundredth time, ask questions of them, show an interest in them. Admire anything you can about them. We all need love, we all need encouragement. A, ask, B, admire, and C, admit. Admit, you came to Christ, perhaps you don't start with the name of Jesus, but I just say, I was lost, I was living a derelict life, I had been gifted, I had been blessed, I had been spoiled rotten, my parents did everything they could for me, and I was destroying my life by increments as a 19 and 20 year old, wasting my time in bars and with friends that I shouldn't have been running with. And I was tormenting myself inside until Jesus Christ came and changed me from the inside out. The Lord put a zeal in my heart to meet people, and I'll talk to people crazily, starting with three A's. Ask, admire, I ask them questions I admire, and if the Lord, like a boxer, if an opening is there, a wrestler, whatever it is, you move a certain way, then I take a chance and say something to them. Try to find some way to put the name of Jesus in her. And, and, but God, at this time and in this moment, I think in this moment in America's history, there is no better time than for you not to be under some pressure from some preacher in a church, but to listen carefully to the still small voice and speak to people. You know, when, when uh, Paul was in Philippi, he changed his world there. Amazing things happened. Let's, let's read a little from here. But if you see people around AAA, and then there's the ABCs, AAA, then there's the ABCs. If you have opportunity, you just admit you're a sinner. There it is again. Why do we do that? Why do we take that? Why do we advertise the dark side? Because everyone has a dark side. Everyone is lost. Some people feel they're irredeemable. What they've done is so bad they can never be forgiven. Well, I'm an example of a person who's been forgiven just about every possibility, if not simply mentally and physically, incorrectly, as a kid. And I've never forgotten that. And I thank God that he saved me because he saved me. My parents did everything for me, but I broke my mother's heart, my father's heart. I made a fool of myself in my arrogance, and yet Christ still loved me. And oh, love that will not let me go, he caught me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my life is due him. He brought me to victory beneath the cleansing flow, the flow of his blood. Admit you're a sinner if you want to come to Christ. Believe Christ is the only savior. This is the gospel. And then see A, B, choose C, 
choose to follow him. It's the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, you hold these people in your heart. And if there's even one here who's not heard of ask, admire, admit, let them at least hear right now of admitting that they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, believing Christ is the only Savior, and then see, choosing to follow him, choosing to follow him, the best decision they could ever make. If that's your heart's desire, God hears your prayer. He sees your life and he holds you in his heart. You are now a Christian. Signify that at some point by being baptized. You know, I, I'm just gonna mention some tools while I'm up here. I, uh, uh, one of them is if you want, everything I say, everything, we're, we're in an era about um, using other people's material. Well, uh, all preachers have is other people's material, the Bible and, and commentaries. And I must tell you, if you have to get one thing, my, my choice would be William Barclay's uh, New Testament series. I think it's called the Daily Study Bible. William Barclay, just remember that. A lot of guys are wonderful theologians, but he's a writer. And when he writes and the story tells, etc., you understand the word of God. Another huge tool, I think, is this uh, relatively new Bible, and I thought I'd drag one up here. It's the English Standard Version Study Bible. I don't want to do a big thing about uh, versions. You know my father-in-law was one of the foremost theologians in certain ways in the world. And so I, had, I, I was able to uh, 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 grow out of the root that was Earl W. Morey, Dr. Earl W. Morey, and I married his daughter, which was the best, second best decision I ever made after serving Christ. But the ESV is a wonderful Bible. You could almost do without anything else, and it gives you, they have uh, fantastic uh, commentators and also systematic theologians that designed it and built it. So something to think about, ESV study Bible. They were used by the Lord, the group that was with Paul, uh, as servants of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse one in Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, God is interested in people. He was interested in that little town. He won people to himself through the, through the hands of the apostle and his assistants. And he was concerned about the spiritual leadership of the town. He immediately talks about overseers, that means elders, and deacons, that means servants, servants of the Lord that oversee the work of ministry. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you. This is Paul. This is a unique messenger of the Lord Jesus who suffers everything for the sake of the gospel and is worthy of our closest reception in terms of hearing and installing the things that he wants to put into our heart. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. It's just what love says. It's what a lovesick sailor says to his girlfriend when he meets her and knows she's the one. Making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel 
From the first day until now, the second he met Lydia, he knew it was love at first sight. She loved the Lord and he loved her and this town. Let me just preface this. If Philippi became a place that was just so open to the gospel, we don't know why. He would go in towns and they'd stone him, but other towns, this place just was filled with love and they always followed him. And he became kind of their, but the Apostle Paul was kind of their missionary. And they got behind him financially. They kept enrolling and rocking through the toughest times because there was something they knew about him. And that was that they were in his heart. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, I make my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is working in you. He's changing you from glory to glory. You were made for a purpose. You're special. And he, will not, he is going to be relentless in taking the clay of the human personality and shaping it into something made for his glory. Relentless. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't quit. He puts you back on your feet when you fall or fail. But friends, he is with you, both the will and do of his good pleasure. He is determined that you become shaped more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, not trusting in your own righteousness or your own genius or anything like that. It's simply leaning, leaning on him. And I'm sure of this, that he that began a good work on you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you, here's the key verse, I hold you in my heart. I hold you in my heart. You are all partakers with me of grace, both of my imprisonment. He is now imprisoned in Rome. He has continued to write to reach every part of his world, every place he could possibly go safely as the Holy Spirit led him. He took a small group, a small band of people, and, and some were associated with Philippi. And I hold you in my heart. You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He wanted to tell people good news. You know, I walk down, every day I go walking, and I, you know, I'm not on duty every second, but kind of. And we walk by people, and we're looking to see if God opens up a door of ministry to talk to somebody. I don't grab anybody, I don't do that. I just trust him to lead and guide. And what I do notice, however, is there are a lot of people who can't smile. Those of you that walk, you know what I mean. They, they don't smile. And then there's this other pe- group of people that has a, a measure of joy. Invariably, if you look underneath the hood, they know the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ makes a difference in our daily walk. You can recognize joy in the Holy Spirit in human beings. It's the most exciting thing just to see it. But then when you see the other side and you see people that look like they don't wanna live anymore, it breaks your heart. And that's where we AAA, ask, admire, admit, and then uh, admit we're sinners, believe Christ is the only savior and choose to follow him. And Paul loved these people in this town. It's right for me to feel this way, to bring the work of Christ to completion in your life. Because I hold you in my heart, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, now he's in prison, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent 
And so be sure, pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He's writing to a group of people that have a lot of military people in it. This is where military officers retired. And there's some affinity there. There's something going on there. They are open to the gospel and Philippi is changed. I have a sense that it probably changed fairly rapidly. Some people were just ready. They were chain linked together in some way. Maybe Lydia was used of God so mightily. She was so convincing. You've, you've, you've met those ladies. One friend of mine, he was a hood. He was a, 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 a motorcycle gang leader. And he walked by this lady every day at a work job. And she said, Jimmy... Jesus loves you. Every day she just said that, Jimmy, Jesus loves you. And Jimmy, who had been hit in the head with a board with a nail in it and fought everything known to man, could not fight the love of Christ in that girl. This is going on here in Philippi. Maybe some of these soldiers who don't have to pay taxes anymore because the Rome's reward for their service was to put them in Philippi. Maybe they're opened up to Christ. It was a place of rest and also certain type A type people were there. I won't belabor that, but in verse 13 it says, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become, well, here's what had happened to him. You'll remember he came all the way to Rome because of riots that broke out in Jerusalem, and I don't want to tell that whole story because my time is limited, but he is forced, and by his own decisions, to stand before Caesar and have to give account for what he's done because he's seen as some kind of troublemaker and yet in Jerusalem, they knew that he was a Roman citizen. So friend, you did not put a pinky on a Roman citizen if you weren't uh, uh, instituted and then made as a Roman, say soldier or officer. They were unique. It, it, it's um, uh, England used to rule the waves and now they, they had their emissaries all over the world. And if you were a British soldier, you had credibility, you had strength. So this is Paul's situation, but he's, he goes all the way to Rome. He's under guard. People are trying to murder him and they have to protect him in Rome. So what they did was they put about a foot and a half long chains on a, a soldier and chained him to Paul every day of his life, every hour of his life. One of my uh, sources alleged that almost the whole Roman garrison that was in Rome to defend it over a two-year period when Paul was locked up in his own rented dwelling were strapped to him by this foot and a half long piece of chain. Almost every individual rotating through knew him, had spoken to him. And what does he say about this horror show? Well, he makes lemonade out of lemons because Jesus is with him even in the enforced torment he's enduring in one sense, listen to what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the world word without fear. They see this guy, and he's taking every blow and every shot and he's chained and he's surrounded by soldiers and he's still making a gigantic difference in his world. I guarantee every soldier that tapped into him in any way knew that there was something. There is the smile. 
There is the personality difference that comes when Jesus is there. And it makes you wonder. And some of these guys would never say a word. And many times you'll share with people and you'll be around them, but they're watching you. They're watching you all the time. I failed the watch test in my life. I've done wrong. I failed, especially as a young man. But over time, it became more Christ-reflecting to watch me because he'd been so good in me and he'd shaped the clay of my life. Well, Paul had been shaped endlessly by his Lord and Savior. And everyone that was anyone began to know he was there because of his stand for Jesus Christ and the good news about Jesus was going out. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and much more bold to speak the word without fear, were, were speak, uh, bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and some from rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. God had put him in that bad situation. Why is God doing this to me? Isn't it possible that the God of heaven and earth, when we're going through difficult times, has some further plan, and if we just changed our attitude about it, changed it about our sickness or our, our lack of money or whatever it is, if we just said God is in this, both the work and will of his good pleasure, he loves me, he will never stop loving me, I am in his heart, therefore what is going on in me has some, some uh, salutary benefit that I am uh, perhaps unable to understand now, but will someday. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry and others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in reality, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. What's this guy rejoicing about? He's in prison surrounded. He's rejoicing because he's not in prison when he's imprisoned. He was in prison when he was lost, but now he's found amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation to hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I, 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 I win. Heads I win, tails I win. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to part and to be with Christ. Christ was so re real to him that he just saw the transition from his reality, our reality, into heaven to just be a, a moment away, just a step away. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ for that is better, for, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I hold you in my heart. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Now this is a summation of everything that's been said in Philippians and I end with this. Only let your manner of life Here's where he's going in the big picture. Here's the prophetic, uh, 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 repetitive thing we should grip. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. 
and be not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also for suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear, now hear that I still have. Let's bow our heads to pray. Lord, there's a lot here, but the simplicity is we need Jesus. We're called to go into the world and preach the, the, the gospel, making disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us reflect your glory to the people around us, we pray. Let me uh, read you this, this verse as I conclude. Bill Gaither wrote this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Chained, imprisoned, tormented, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives.